Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner, featuring Jack and Andre. <laughs> FBI Radio. After a song, a couple of songs from rappers Mick Jenkins and Dobby, it's time to get into Movies, 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 that time on a Monday morning where we speak to Jack and Andre, our designated aficionados on everything film, cinema, and more. Good morning to you both. You make me blush. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, how have you been? How's the w- week in cinema been looking for you guys? Mm. I had a stomach ulcer. Mm. I just had a stomach <laughs> so ulcer, so I've just been that. lying in bed. <laughs> and it wasn't from seeing too many movies? <laughs> and no, it kind of was. I think it was honestly from all those snacks. Too many snacks. Too many pods. I'm still re- recovering from Melbourne International Film Festival, so That's I'm happy. That's actually what gave me the ulcer. I'm actually just ready to talk more Sydney stuff. <laughs> Let's get into some movie news then. Movie news. So, classic film lord Aretha Franklin has passed away last week, but she left behind a fantastic film moment legacy, I guess, of just great film moments. Uh, uh, we're talking Blues Brothers, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding. Jack, I want to ask you personally, what are your favourite Aretha Franklin musical moments uh, on camera? I mean, there's so many favourites, and um, I don't know, like... I wish that I could say, um, oh, what's what's the most recent one that she was in that was just like the most genius use? Oh, A Fantastic Woman. A Fantastic Woman. Mm. Oh my God, what a beautiful use. But I, mm. I guess my first Aretha Franklin movie moment was watching Bridget Jones' diary with my dad <laughs> and uh, she's just done with the sexual harassment from Hugh Grant and cute. she signs him off of the office. She's taking her skirt out of there and they play respect. Cute, 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 cute. My one would have to be... Rob Gordon, played by John Cusack in High Fidelity, whose favourite song mm. to play at a funeral will be Angel by Aretha Franklin. And then they play it in the record store, and it's a real just tearjerker. <laughs> yeah, it's real nice. Um, in other news, I guess, uh, Tony <laughs> Kay, director of American History X, has decided to cast an AI or a robot. Is there a difference? I don't really know. In his new film, it's uh, a follow-up from the comedy First Born. It's going to be called Second Born. And he wants to cast a robot slash AI. What's the difference? I don't even know. I he- don't know, but it's a great step forward for robotic representation in cinema. I Indeed. absolutely agree. And as film lords, how do robots and AI go at acting, in your experience? They put on uh, caftans, big jewels, put on a Meryl Streep accent. That's kind of how it happens, I think. Yeah. Put on a cardigan. <laughs> a little bit robotic. <laughs> a little bit robotic. <laughs> they run down the street with an ice cream, shouting like Reese with a spoon. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I read somewhere that apparently Tony Kay, who's casting the robot, wanted to see if the robot could get the Screen Actors Guild accreditation. <laughs> That's why he's casting a robot in his movie. Yeah, I heard much like much like the, what just happened to Rosamund Pike would die another day. He actually asked the robot into his sort of casting couch and asked her to put on a bikini. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the industry imagine- hasn't changed. I'm imagining the robot in the just waiting for its interview, mm-hmm. its audition, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, sort of shaking and nervous. I don't know. I I always like to give robots human emotions. A, a, a robot headshot, just in black and white, a robot just smiling. <laughs> just sent out business cards. Yeah. Here's my script. Okay, so- we need robots behind the camera too, guys. <laughs> Representation doesn't stop in front of the camera. Speaking of shaking and nervous, there's also um, the Nun trailer has been pulled from YouTube because it's just too shocking. <laughs> it, it wasn't like a trailer that was up and has been taken down because we all know that there are horrifying videos on YouTube that don't get taken down. It was because it was one of those ads that plays that you can't skip so for six seconds it would look like the volume button was going down and mm. then all of a sudden 
it would just jump out at you in yeah. the most horrifying way. It, it was inspired by those scare videos that came out a couple of years, maybe like 10 years ago on YouTube where... You I mean, to, like, when we were born. When we were born, when you have to, like, look at a small little dot on a screen in a YouTube video, and then all of a sudden, something comes out and jumps at you. And they did that for The Nun, and it's actually a sick trailer. And What's your scariest YouTube video? Scariest YouTube video? I Feel Fantastic? I Feel Fantastic, dude, which you don't find that scary. Which I don't find that scary, but I do find that Elisa, the one where she's in the lift, and then her body rocked up in that, and that they based um, American Horror Story Hotel on that. Mm. Remember that woman? And she's in the, the lift. And yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Oh my um, God. But getting back on topic to The Nun, <laughs> is mm. that going to be a jump scare type movie, do you think? Oh, 100%. Mm. That's what it, it's It's like set in Romania in this huge castle. Mm. And is it Vifamigra or Taste of Famigra or yeah, someone? Yeah, it's in the same universe as The Conjuring. I remember seeing The Nun, the original The Nun. And by original, I mean the first one I saw in like 2004. It was an Italian movie and it was like a low budget horror that really freaked me out. And now they're trying to pull The Nun into The Conjuring universe. So, like you said, Vera Familia, that whole shamble. I haven't actually seen much of The Conjuring. But yeah, and it promises to be kind of freaky, I think. Mm, be careful what you wish for. And then in final news, we got here that Rihanna and Donald Glover are shooting something together. Um, <laughs> we know nothing about it. This is just hearsay? Or? Just, just for music videos. Music video is a film too. We're just, it's just clickbait. Rihanna's doing something. Donald Glover's still in work. They're, and they're working on a project. Well, that's Who cares all- what it is? It's a thing. It's happening. It's in Cuba. Hard-hitting journalism right here on movies, exactly. movies, movies. I reckon we get into two reviews. Sweet. Sounds oh my good. God, we're going two reviews. One review. And then and then another review. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. So for Movies, 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 uh, each film lord reviews one movie that is coming out in cinemas right now. So you can go see it. You might have already seen it. Who's going to be going first? But, um... I'm going to go first. That's Um, Jack, and you are reviewing (laughs) The Meg. I will be reviewing the most talked about movie of the year, apparently. And um, I don't know what else there is to say. Jason Statham plays your lovable, washed-up, single British ex-husband drinking Changi in Thailand. And he's the only person who can drive a submarine to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, apart from James Cameron, into this tropical Pandora of spider crabs and giant squid and a two-million-year-old mega shark with huge, gaping, dripping, hungry mouth. From the director of National Treasure, The Sorcerer's Apprentice and Cool Runnings comes the best seafood movie of the year. Spoiler alert, after Azalea, Grimes and Elon's soap opera this weekend, I was so glad to see a creepy billionaire getting eaten. I was down for the straight up Jason um, straight up Jason Statham in a towel PG sexual tension, Ruby Rose's lesbian hacker with a mangled American accent, redemption and apologies all through this movie. I say all this cynically, but it's actually so nice just to see a blockbuster so obviously hit its marks, and that makes it this year's best seafood movie. The Meg ramps up when they get to the beach as a crowded as one of those in like an artificial beach tank. You know those like crazy I don't know, it's just this insane beach Bubble. with thousands of people in colour hula hoops and noodles and like inflatable balls and seeing that huge shark just chomp through them all and like pop inflatable pontoons it was really really satisfying at one point this wise old scientist shakes his head and says this is what humans always do we discover and then we destroy Ange did 
this movie true? destroy you? I wouldn't want to say second best seafood movie of the year. I thought Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia two, Mama Mia did with have a- all their fishing and all their waterboard, wa- waterboard, water sports, <laughs> all, their all the waterboarding that happened in Mamma Mia, all the waterboarding That's that how happened. Died. She got waterboarded. No, um, what can I say about this? I, I had the same reaction as you to this movie. I thought Jason Stratham, Stratham, Statham, uh, Statham, Statham. Yet again, a hardcore the film journalism happening. I thought he was definitely very attractive on screen, and uh, yeah, I surprisingly so. And I like that he embraces just doing one thing, and that's just doing action sequences. I thought this movie had way too much plot, and it didn't need to, because the special effects and the jump scares were sufficient to keep my interest. Every time there was some discussion about how to attack wild fish, I thought, I don't know why you're not just attacking them. Yeah. I don't know why there wasn't more shooting and why there was so much talking. Too much talk. But also, Andre, do you ever come out of these films and just wish they were nicer to the wildlife? Mm. Like, a lot of whales died in this movie. That was pretty Mm. sad. I know. It had me thinking... Not real whales, of course. Not real. I don't think any real whales were killed Mm -mm. in the making of the Meg. What I'm wondering is, I wonder if they thought that maybe building a huge, giant uh, scientific lab in the middle of the ocean, I wonder if they thought that that would piss off the fish, because it obviously did, I think. Yeah. Anyway. We can think about the Meg a bit more, or maybe we can move on to the a different Meg, movie. In a word, Jack and Andre. Oh, oh. underwater. <laughs> um, um, the Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic. Very good, Andre. You're going to be reviewing Black Klansman. Black Klansman. That's right. So it's the first best popular movie Oscar. It's arrived in epic style. It is the Spike Lee joint Black Klansman. In it, Ron Stallworth is our hero as the first black detective to infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan in 1970s Colorado Springs. Comedy and terror ensues. Comedy, how? This is a movie that's, I mean, think Ocean's movie meets Inglorious Bastards, but more head-on because this shit apparently actually happened. Spike Lee is on fire as director of Black Klansman, crashing his expressionism and earnesty together because this is basically narrative cinema worthy of your cash. Among all the tense suspense are your favourite white American TV actors being cast as archetypal, 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 evil white folk. Shout out to Catherine Keener and Alison Williams in Get Out, which also reminds me that Jordan Peele produced Black Klansman and production began a month after Trump's inauguration. The film is enjoyable, but honestly, it's also really, really full on. It's a work of art, not in dialogue with Trump, but in argument with Trump, our effed up past and our effed up film history. And the ending will truly end you, if I've said end too many times. But thankfully, Black Klansman is also an exceptional start, not birth, of a new and better nation. Shout out to Do the Right Thing which is the reason film can have any legitimacy. Jack, do you agree with me? Are you on the bandwagon? I was on the bandwagon, and this film really shocked me, especially all the footage of Charlottesville. I mean, Mm. the fact that it draws on real events is really intense and undeniable and horrible, but this film has a really complicated history with how it depicts police officers and Ron Storworth, the real story, he actually was an agitator and he infiltrated the Black Panther movement. In the film, he infiltrates it for like a day, but in real life, he infiltrated the Black Panther movement for three years and like gave them a bad name. And like the way they would infiltrate black groups, radical groups, as opposed to white radical groups is kind of whitewashed in this film. And I know like... I don't know. It's just a really mm. strange thing. No, like, no, no. Spike Lee's been given a lot of Let money to, to do PR for, like, the NYPD. Like, yeah, I'm backing up on this. There is, like, a strange all-lives-matter message 
Mm. That can't be denied. It doesn't... But the film is, like, hugely entertaining. And I think, for the most part, it's trying to do a really worthy thing mm. and uh, fuck Trump, but... Yeah. I did read some of those critiques of the film about how um, some of the elements of the story were fabricated beyond belief and that it wasn't actually following the true story of Ron Stallworth. But I think as a bit of... Is it agitprop? Is that the, is that the, the term to describe this film? As a bit of, a, you know, intellectual provoca- provocation, I think Black Klansman is also really enjoyable as a piece of film for anyone to kind of, you know, get their head around what's maybe happening in America and how to think. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Oh, Jack's really nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah. In a word, Black Klansman, Andre? Oh, uh, I want to say groundbreaking, but I feel like that's really that's a nasty word and that's a, a gross word. So, uh, bombastic. I feel like it's probably the only... I'm going to say POMO is my word. Mm. POMO? Yeah, it's probably the only postmodern film you can get this year. Wasn't as POMO as I thought it would be, though, no. let's be honest. Uh, that's true. Mm. Hey, we're going to go to a song now from Sydney band Fantastic Furniture. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to the director of the Underground Film Festival happening here mm. in Sydney real soon. <laughs> Sydney Spotlight. And today for Sydney Spotlight, we're very excited to also be joined by the festival director of the Sydney Underground Film Festival, Stefan Popescu. How are you going today, Stefan? Oh, not too bad, Brady. How are you? Good, thank you. And thank you for joining us here on Mornings. No, thanks for having me. Yo, 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 Stefan, it's Andre here. Hey, Andre. Co-host of Movies, Movies, Movies. And we're also joined by Jack, who's next to me. Hey, Stefan. Hey, Jack. (laughs) So can we can I dive in? Yeah, okay, dive right in. I'm just really excited to just find out what the what the goss is behind the festival and uh, what we what we should know and what the hot picks are. I mean, we know the festival is happening in September, but can you give us like a short little rundown of uh, what to expect? Sure, sure. Um, it's four days of intense weirdness and fun um, and adventure in cinema. So we kind of designed it like that. We had it short and sweet, but really intense. So people hopefully just block out the weekend and just come experience really weird, strange films. Um, if for those who've never come to our festival, it's kind of um, definitely focused towards sort of indie weirdo stuff. So anyone that likes sort of Harmony Corinne or Tommy Wiseau, The Room type stuff, or just stuff that's kind of adventurous and, and funny and also has some sort of discursive value mm-hmm. in there. Um, yeah, so that's what... And, and and we sort of model it on a music festival as well. So we kind of have five cinemas running the whole day, so you can kind of just jump around. And um, we've got, like, workshops and conferences. And um, so if you kind of get bored of watching, you can jump into a workshop or just hang around and have a drink or um, get some food. But it's kind of, yeah, designed so you hang around the space. That sounds amazing. I mean, I know that people are talking about the misandrists and mm. Mandy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but outside of the M titles, is there anything sort of more undercover that people wouldn't know, like wouldn't jump to, doesn't have Jack Black in it, that's a little bit <laughs> undercover I am looking and at the, extreme? I am looking at the Jack Black movie and it looks awesome. It's just Jack Black holding a gun called The Unexpected Race. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely um, one of those sort of dark horses. It's, um, you know, this guy, Gru, is, um, he's going to be there, by the way. We didn't know he was going to come because... Um, Wait, uh, Jack Black is going to come to the Sydney Underground Film Festival? No, sorry, um, Stephen Gru. Oh, right. Um, who, who, so he's kind of like the the new Tommy Wiseau, um, who Jack Black loved, and that's why he was in his films. Um, uh, so he, Stephen Gru decided to come, but also now the director and producer of the documentary are going to come. Um, so there's a documentary on Stephen Grew, and 
the accompaniment film, which is his bad film that he made, which was The Unexpected Race, and I hope he doesn't hear that because um, he's coming out. Because <laughs> I think he still thinks it's not a bad film. He um, mm. wanted to win an Oscar, but that's the, <laughs> the genius of those people. Um, uh, but we did, can I just say, we did ask Jack Black to come out um, and we'll wait to hear on that. <laughs> you just never know. You never know with people like Jack Black or Bill Murray. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, really strange things. I remember a couple of years ago, we we caught uh, Gaspar Noé's film Love at the Sydney Underground Film Festival, <laughs> and I feel like uh, the 3D ejaculation was sort of like the style frame of that whole festival. Um, what's the kind? What's like the the reigning image at uh, the festival this year? Is there any like iconic scene that everyone's talking about that they can't wait to see? <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> um, it could be it, this year. It could be one of those ones um, where. Um, you don't see um, because we've got a film called Trauma and it's um, in my books it, it gives um, a Serbian film a run for its money um, so it's really it'll be interesting on the new system of censorship and stuff see if this one gets through mm-hmm. so, that sounds um, horrific yeah. 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 doesn't know what a Serbian <laughs> film is it is the most <laughs> fucked up movie ever made that sounds yeah, well, I'm actually really excited to see here to be heard the story of the slits it sold out at Melbourne Film Festival so I didn't get to go it's doing insanely well here um, yeah uh, so uh, I'm assuming it'll sell out as well it's definitely well on track well, the Sydney uh, Underground Film Festival runs from the 13th to the 16th of September at the Factory Theatre. We're going to have a link to tickets on the program page, mornings with Brady Tanner at fbiradio.com. Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. Before we let you go, though, we have to ask, are there any ways to go to the Sydney Underground Film Festival on a budget? Um, there are. Um, uh, there's basically there's day passes, and by the time you get a day pass, like say for a Saturday, it ends up being like six dollars a film or something like that. Um, uh, but uh, and if you're a student, you get discount. But if you're a real tight ass, um, <laughs> you can <Yep>. just just, <laughs> just go to um, you basically just go to some of those um, main sessions, and if there's a um, Usually late night ones, for example, late night ones tend to not be, like the 11 o'clock session, not be as full. And so if you go to the session before, on the way out, our um, volunteers usually give away free tickets. So. Sweet! Oh, Love volunteers! You heard it here yeah. first on Movies, Movies, <laughs> Movies. Thank you so much to the director of the Sydney Underground Film Festival, Stefan Popescu. Can I give um, Can I give a pimp out to one film before I go, though? Yeah. Yes, please. Um just um, Mega Time Squad is what we're opening with, and this um, it's a New Zealand um, comedy from the guys who did Deathgasm. I don't know if you guys have seen Deathgasm or what we did in the shadows, what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yep. obsessed with Everyone's New Zealand obsessed. cinema. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and so I just want to give a shout-out to that because it's, it's our opening night film and it's going to be hell fun. Um, they, the, the filmmakers are coming out with um, Johnny Bra as well, so... Any New Zealanders out there will know exactly who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about. But um, really? it's, yeah, Johnny Brown's kind of a um, little bit famous there. So, yeah, anyhow, so, um, yeah, uh, just a shout-out to, to the opening night film. It'll be fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, <laughs> Stefan. We prof- promise we won't exploit your little uh, trick there. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're okay. We're okay with that. We'd rather have full cinemas um, than, yeah. than half full cinemas. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much as well to Film Lords Jack and Andre. You've been listening to Movies, Movies, Movies. See you next week, guys. Love See you. Bye. Love you. Bye. 
This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.